What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another edition of No Content for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. This episode has been long awaited for those that follow my newsletter and this podcast. We're talking about Mank, David Fincher's film about the making of Citizen Kane. I've been hyping it up for weeks and weeks, and I clearly am not the only one. This is the only movie that people in movie circles have been talking about. So, how does it stack up? I had two very strong and very different reactions to the two times I watched this movie this week. We'll also be talking about Freaky, the Vince Vaughn body swap horror movie, (laughs) and a documentary on John Belushi. So you're going to want to stay tuned for all of that, but first, we got to dive into Mank. Every year, I feel like I have to write this same intro about a movie that has been hyped for months on end as the best movie of the year. The expectation gets inflated to the point that nothing could possibly satisfy, leaving half of viewers attacking the hype and the other half defending it. Somewhere in that maelstrom lies Mank, the fantasy of a cinephile's Mad Lib. David Fincher directing a script written by his late father, about old Hollywood, and the making of Citizen Kane? Nothing below the quality of, well, Citizen Kane could possibly suffice. Still, after a year both in life and at the movies that left us little to get excited about, I dove into the hype head first. I rewatched Citizen Kane, caught up on the discourse surrounding the essay Raising Kane, I'll provide a primer in a second, and on Friday night I put up my phone and I turned down the lights to simulate a theater experience. When the credits rolled two hours later, I was confused. The movie truly felt like the fourth episode of a six-episode miniseries, as if there was some crucial backstory I'd missed. I was engaged the whole time, wooed by the transportation into 1930s movie-making, complete with tinny audio and cigarette burn effects on the film. But it felt like an inside joke that I wasn't quite in on, packed with at least a half-dozen side plots and more than a dozen important characters. Fundamentally, the movie wasn't about what I thought it was going to be about. Legendary critic Pauline Kael wrote Raising Cain to prove, falsely, that the man who deserves credit for Citizen Kane is Herman J. Mankiewicz, a.k.a. Mank, who wrote the initial script, rather than director, producer, star Orson Welles, and the essay spawned dozens of rebuttals. But the two, Welles and Mankiewicz, squared off in a brutal battle for screenwriting credit in real life, all while newspaper magnate William Randolph Hearst and his crony Louis B. Mayer tried to stop the movie from being made. Those events come up in Mank, but they are not what the movie is about. I couldn't get the movie out of my head, so I began reading reviews, listening to podcasts, and checking out a Q&A that Mark Harris of Vulture did with David Fincher that I highly recommend. Every single one of those sources relayed the message that they too had been puzzled by the first viewing of Mank, but upon second viewing had unlocked the movie's true genius. On Wednesday, I dutifully gave Mank its second chance, and despite my skepticism, those critics and podcasters were proven correct. Mank is one of the very best movies of the year, an interlocking, multi-layered storytelling masterwork about the authorship not just of one screenplay, but the authorship of one's own life. 
The skeleton key to unlock the story is the Parable of the Organ Grinder's Monkey, first mentioned, yet unexplained, by Mank midway through the movie, allowing for the explanation to serve as quite literally the movie's climax. In short, the parable describes a monkey plucked from the jungle and dressed in jewels, touring from town to town with an organist who plays music while the monkey dances. The monkey, seeing the crowds he draws every time he dances, assumes that he must hold all the value and the power in the relationship. He doesn't realize that he's beholden to the organist, and the minute he stops dancing, he will be cast aside and another monkey will take his place. Hearst tells Mank this story to imply that Mank is the monkey, and the only power he has is given to him by his employer, MGM Studios, and its boss, Louis B. Mayer. But Mayer is also the monkey because Hearst bankrolls his entire operation and half of Mank's contract. Mank then writes a thinly veiled takedown of Hearst, Citizen Kane, to prove that Hearst is in fact the monkey, and Wells is also the monkey for making the movie powered by Mank's script. They are, in fact, all monkeys, codependent on each other. The real power comes from the collaboration with each other, no matter how reluctant they are to do so. That collaboration can result in positive outcomes, like the making of the greatest movie ever made, or negative outcomes, like the fixing of the 1934 gubernatorial race of California. That race for governor is center stage in Mank, and perhaps its most timely addition. Both in the movie and in real life, Hearst and Mayer created, quote, fake news movie reels to dissuade the public against neo-socialist candidate Upton Sinclair. And in the movie, the idea is first proposed in a wisecrack by Mank himself. The thing I didn't pick up on on the first watch, which is explained during Mank's climactic drunken speech, is that a young Hearst once vowed that he himself would bring about the Socialist Revolution, a claim conveyed publicly by none other than Upton Sinclair. When Hearst's own candidacy for governor failed, primarily because voters failed to love him in the way he longed for, he retreated into his ivy tower, ivory tower, quite literally, and ultimately decided to destroy Sinclair, the people's champ who became everything that Hearst wanted to be. If you were able to follow that explanation, you were hopefully rewarded with the same glorious aha moment I had on my second viewing, opening up a deep well of appreciation for the brilliance of both Mank and Citizen Kane. Still, I'm not sure what it says about a, quote, great movie that it must be watched two times in order to comprehend it. The pace of the movie is patient and the structure is nonlinear, like a cinnamon roll, Mank says, jumping back and forth in time just as Citizen Kane did some 80 years prior. Whatever headiness and pacing that persist on a micro level, moment to moment the movie floats along to a sensational period score and is guided hand in hand by truly sensational performances from Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried is the massive favorite to win an Oscar for her portrayal of Marion Davies, Hearst's young bride, and Oldman's fast-talking drunken buffoon would be a shoe-in had he not won just a couple of years ago for his portrayal of Winston Churchill, keep in mind, these awards are not merit-based. Seeing as it's the only major Oscar movie to be released so far in 2020, this movie has received the full brunt of the annual awards backlash. In this case, focused around film bros who don't appreciate anything less than a saintly portrayal of their lord and savior, Orson Welles, here portrayed admirably, admirably, but inadequately by Tom Burke. 
As I once said in defense of Stanley Kubrick, the value of art can be measured by its ability to inspire and then defend itself against close inspection and scrutiny. The reason why Citizen Kane is the most worthy candidate to carry the preposterous title of greatest film ever made is the nearly 80 years of discourse that it has generated and stood up against. So put Mank to the test. Twice. See if it doesn't become one of your favorite movies of 2020. I dare you. Okay, every week I give you something new, something old, and something to stream. This week, it's out on VOD. It's freaky. (laughs) From Blumhouse and the filmmaker who brought you Happy Death Day, a.k.a. definitely just Groundhog's Day ripoff, but at horror, comes Freaky, a movie so unashamed about being definitely just a Freaky Friday ripoff, but at horror, that it didn't even bother changing the name. In terms of its body-swapping gimmick and overall storytelling style, it has less in common with the 2003 comedy starring Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis than with Lil Dicky's Freaky Friday music video. The jokes never get beyond the sight gag of Vince Vaughn's serial killer body being inhabited by a teenage girl and vice versa. The horror elements are rather formulaic with the addition of some absolutely gruesome execution methods. The creativity of the killings is meant for comedy, but it will still make you wince. These rip-off remakes are horror indie powerhouse Blumhouse's response to Disney remaking everything they own that was popular 20 years ago and are equally as shameful. But hey, Vince Vaughn seems to be really enjoying his late crew renaissance as guy who doesn't need money anymore, so he's willing to lend his big name to anything, no matter how strange. Something old this week, I'm talking about 1994's Leon the Professional. In the midst of all the chatter online about Mank, I was talking to one of my friends about the impressive career of Gary Oldman, who has been phenomenal in everything from blockbusters like Harry Potter to video games like Call of Duty to superhero movies. He was Detective Gordon in Nolan's Batman movies to personal favorites like The Book of Eli, Paranoia, and Lawless to the movie that won him an Oscar, The Darkest Hour. Despite nearly 30 years of awesome acting, Oldman's career peak will forever be him shouting, EVERYONE! in Leon the Professional. If you have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's an iconic moment. If not, watch the movie or at least look that clip up on YouTube. The movie also marked the first big screen appearance for 12-year-old Natalie Portman, who plays a child learning the art of assassination in this consistently underrated action-adventure. This week's Something to Stream, it's on Showtime, if you have it. It's Belushi. No one has properly explained the essence of comedy megastar John Belushi in the years since his tragic death at the age of 33. That is until this documentary, which explains how Belushi's demons and vices were also his superpower. Using a treasure trove of unheard interviews and some unseen footage, as a viewing experience, the doc plays more as educational than highlight reel of Belushi's greatest 
on-camera moments. As it was in Belushi's life, those laughs were a diversion from the inner truth. So, if you're a fan of Animal House or Blues Brothers or the class of comedians who rose through SNL to define the next several decades of American comedy, this is the kind of deep dive that you'll love. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you get a chance to watch Mank this week. If you do, please let me know. Get in touch with me at Mr. Matt Craig on Twitter or through my newsletter, which you can find in the link in the bio on my Twitter, again, at Mr. Matt Craig. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. In future weeks, it's going to be an absolute sprint to the finish line here in 2020. I was just today writing out the list of movies that I think I need to see before I make my year of end list. And I don't even, I don't really know how I'm going to get them all in. We're, we got to see Nomadland, of course, Ammonite, The Nest. Uh, we got to see Steve McQueen's series of movies, including Mangrove and Lover's Rock. Um, I, I, I mean... Of course, Soul is coming out, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, the Midnight Sky is coming out on Netflix December 23rd. So yeah, we have tons and tons of good movies, hopefully movies that'll be in my top, I don't know, 20 to 30 movies of the year um, to be released still. So tons and tons of content coming to you guys' way. Um, I also have a, a very, very exciting project that uh, I look forward to giving you all before the end of the year. Uh, so tons to stay f- stay tuned for and i really hope you guys uh tune in next week to catch some more uh year-end content but until then as always guys i guess i'll see you at the movies